0: I'm Carol Marine. Hello, I'm Carol Marine. For the season finale of So You Want to Be a Reporter, we're focusing on the ethics of appearance in TV newsrooms. Joining us is Tehera Rahman. In February of 2018, Tehera became the first full-time U.S. TV news reporter to go on-air wearing hijab. At the time, she worked for WHBF-TV in Rock Island, Illinois, covering news in the Quad Cities area. Today, she joins us to talk about what it was like to break that barrier for Muslim women across the country. The journey it took to get there, and the progress she has seen in the years since. So, here, will you tell us just a little bit about your history?
1: I am. 31 years old. I hit that
0: threshold. (laughs) You are a baby. You are a baby.
1: (laughs) I appreciate you saying that. Um, I was born in the Chicago area, the suburbs of Chicago. I was born in Skokie, actually. Um, Grew up in the Naperville area. And then I actually did a stint. Um, My family moved overseas to Doha, Qatar for two years. So that was my second semester of my sophomore year. I ended up graduating high school there, coming back to Chicago for college, where I went to Loyola University, um, got a a double major in journalism and international studies. And I am one of five kids, the eldest of five, actually. Um, And since then, uh, both my parents have moved back to Chicago, Naperville, actually. So we're all
0: we're all back home. Oh, good. Oh, good. So. Give me a little bit about your journalism journey. So
1: I always thought I always loved storytelling. Um, So from when I was little, my mom would find pieces of paper on the house with different stories on them. And, you know, when you're little, it's it's not very good, I'm sure. But um, I always had that interest and. Um, as I got older, though, obviously I'm a Muslim American and I grew up post 9 11 era. So I was uh, about 10 or 11, I believe, when 9 11 occurred. And I was going to a private Muslim school in Bridgeview, Illinois. And I clearly remember the fallout um, for American Muslims. And I remember watching the news day in and day out with my family. And of course, when the day of the incident, we all went home. Everyone was just like all other Americans, confused, sad, didn't know what was going on, upset, um, disturbed by what we saw. But then in the weeks and months that followed, we realized that we also were becoming almost villainized, especially like the way that we were being characterized. And I remember seeing people who look like me and my family members. You know, if you went to the mosque, all of a sudden that was such a bad thing and you could be a terrorist, the capital T word. And um, I remember being as an 11 year old growing up in that kind of climate, super overwhelmed and thinking in a very you know, in a very innocent sense of, oh, if I was that person on, if I were that person on TV, I wouldn't say those things. <laughs> you know, I, I, didn't, I don't have to say those things, and that's, I think, really where my interest in journalism started. Um, what does it take to be at that point where you could tell those stories um, in in a more nuanced way? So that's how it began, and of course, is a, a long time between 11 years old and. Um, being able to, in college, make that decision of, okay, like journalism is going to be my degree. That's where I'm going to pursue my career. And it was a scary moment to do that. Even then, because I, it was hard for me to find mentors at that time and to navigate what that would mean as a career. I, that it was like, it was, I knew it was a big decision because I was thinking far ahead. My this was second semester of my junior year, and I was like, "Well, what does it mean to be a Muslim American journalist, and at that to be on TV? How do I do that?" And I was like, "Well, I'm going to pray. I'm going to declare it as my major, and we'll we'll cross each bridge as we get there." Um, so luckily, I was able, you know, Ramana Hussein at the Chicago Sun Times was. Sure. One of Love my former
0: her. colleagues,
1: ah, oh, she's amazing. And I remember reaching out to her while I was in college because I read one of her columns, and I just loved it. and i anytime I saw a Muslim sounding byline, I reached out to that journalist. Um, and all of them were so nice in being able to or just taking the time out for a college student and giving their two cents and encouraging me to keep going. Um And so even though they weren't TV reporters that, that kept me going. Um, same with Malika Bilal who was a, you know, a TV reporter um, for Al Jazeera. And she was another one that I tapped into a lot for advice. So those were my encouragements along the way and were became even more valuable when I hit that threshold of graduation and was being told by well-meaning, I should add, well-meaning professors, well-meaning uh, producers at the internships um, in which I was, you know, shadowing people. And they were telling me it's going to be hard. Uh, they asked me, are you, will, would you be willing to take off your hijab for a TV reporting job? That's how low confidence everyone had that it would, it would work. And I said, no, I I wouldn't. and. Um, And then I remember my producer saying, well, okay, get ready for a lot of no's. And one of my professors giving me advice and, you know, being strategic in where I applied, applied Detroit, Dearborn, where there's a large Arab American population, Uh, go to Al Jazeera. And I remember being super frazzled because I knew it would be hard, but I was like, why do I have to be pigeonholed? This is like, 21st century United States of America, where we make up a good size of many communities, we should be able to have representation no matter what city you're in. So anyways, I had a strong conviction, so I kept going, and um, long story short, I ended up straight out of college going into radio producing, then jumping into TV uh, producing, and then finally getting that chance as a TV reporter about five years after I graduated college and uh, finally being able to start living my dream of being a TV reporter and haven't looked back ever since.
0: So your first TV job was where? My first TV job
1: was in the Quad Cities. I was a TV producer there for about two years. That's where I started out. And I was frank with the uh, news director at the time and the general manager with whom I was interviewing by saying, listen, I really want to report. I actually don't want to produce. (laughs) But um, the news director had convinced me to take a producing job because he said, listen, producers are worth their weight in gold. You can still keep an open mind. You can learn so much by being in the industry. Um, And he encouraged me to take the job. And I said, you know what? I have been applying for quite some time to be a reporter. And my path to being one is not going to look like everybody else I graduated with. It's not gonna be a straight line, I'm realizing that. So maybe this is my way to becoming a reporter. Um, so I took the job and I, I let them know that once once reporter positions opened up at the station that I would like to start, I, I would like to apply for them, And they said, that's fine. We're gonna treat you as any other candidate. You have to make your reel on your own time, submit all of that, go through the interviewing process. I said, okay, cool. So I did that Um, while I was producing. I would come in on weekends um, to shadow reporters, help them shoot, write my own packages just to to keep those skills fresh. Um, And then I got rejected another two times at the same station before they finally gave me the opportunity to start reporting there.
0: So there you are on the air in hijab. Was there pushback? Yes.
1: Uh my station was very good about obviously, you know, we live in a world where it only takes one crazy person for something bad to happen. Um, and they knew that they were fully aware. We um Nextstar took steps to make sure that we had like extra security before I went on air, um, went through security protocol with me. If anything ever didn't ever feel right in the field, um, don't worry about your deadline get in the car, call someone, call 911 if you need to come back, that kind of thing. Um, But most of the backlash was on social media, not surprisingly. Um, And we got comments about, you know, if I wanted to wear that, I should go back to where I came from. Uh, People were saying that they wouldn't watch our station anymore because of this. But honestly, though, if we're comparing the positive and negative comments, I would say that it was overwhelmingly positive. And that's the around the time I had to make a decision also on how I would react to comments like that because I knew it was just the beginning. Any market I go to, my one of the anchors at the time told me he was like, you're going to be breaking this barrier likely every single market you go to. Mm -hmm. It's not a one and done deal. You know, it's going to It's going to be an effort either way. Um, And so I decided then that I would try to tune out the comments. I wouldn't respond to the negativity. I would, but I would keep it there. I never deleted comments or anything because I I think it's, it's the only fair way for people to see like, this is what people of color go through. Actually, this is what Muslim journalists go through. Um, And I didn't want people to only see the positives. I wanted people to see what some of the pushback was and what we just what we have to endure sometimes so uh, overwhelmingly positive though, and that's what I like to focus on
0: so in the newsroom, how was it? I mean, if on the outside, it was overwhelmingly positive, but still with some powerful negatives, what was it like inside the newsroom
1: inside the newsroom was great. I think, you know, the divine plan of it, um, worked out because I was, you know, before I got the opportunity, when I had my first few rejections at the station where I was already working lots of tears when I got those rejections. So, so deflated. Um, but I think the wisdom behind God's plan in that was that, People were familiar with me by the time I got on air. And by the time all the spotlight came on me, people knew that I was a hard worker, that this wasn't undeserved. And I think that helped a lot. The fact that I was able to get, um, to really get a really good relationship with everyone from top to bottom that I worked with, including the other multimedia journalists and the reporters. Um, And it was incredible support. They were amazing. And I remember... Being on or being in New York ahead of the Today Show uh, and waking up at five o'clock in the morning for that and seeing texts from Kelly and my other um, colleagues, and they had all gathered in the studio, each with like a paper with a letter printed saying, We love you, good luck. And I just started crying. I was like, That's amazing. So great support inside the newsroom.
0: Where do we draw the line, do you think, between what we judge to be professional appearance that doesn't distract from a story versus allowing people the expression of their own identity? Where is that line? That's such a good question, Carol. (laughs) Um, I think that is a hard one. And
1: I think that part of appearance, obviously, especially in the TV industry, is so subjective. and. That could be by person or even by era, Um, the fact Mm -hmm. that the fact that natural curls, for example, are being more and more accepted for um, our black American journalists. And that was not even considered 10, 20 years ago.
0: Um,
1: And so for to me, that doesn't cross a professional line. I think that's you can have natural hair and still be professional. Likewise, obviously, hijab. I think that as well. Um, and I don't know. And I think like maybe the answer lies somewhere within each community. Um, you do target, uh, you you cater to your target audience for so many things. So maybe that's part of it. Like one of the anchors early on in my career told me, um, hey, it's a little distracting when you wear hijabs with patterns on them so maybe try to stick to to solid colors and jewel tones and I appreciated that Mm -hmm. and so for me I've taken that as kind of you know not in it's not any sort of official uniform or code but that's what I do I don't wear prints on air just like I mean that's kind of the rule of thumb for tops and dresses as well so I I, you know, and I appreciated that and I, I think he was right. Um, so I, I think that it maybe is more about perhaps each community, perhaps the type of cloth you're wearing on your head, you know, what patterns and colors seem to be less distracting, more distracting. And I think there's a way to do it with the person involved, the journalist involved, and without seeming like you are trying to push an identity that they're not. It's it's about having those personal conversations.
0: The, you've been a reporter now for how many years? I think I started 2018.
1: So four. Four years. Yes. You're in Austin,
0: Texas now. Yes, ma'am. Second market. Yep. How's that been?
1: It's been awesome. I love the lifestyle here, like a lot of people do, which is why we're seeing an incredible boom. Um and it, it was the same thing. I'm the Jim Needleman, the co anchor, the main anchor at my last station in the Quad Cities. He was not wrong. It, it's the same thing. It's going to be a challenge each market you go mm-hmm. to. Um, we received negative feedback at first. Um, my um, news manager pulled me aside probably maybe my second or third week there, telling me, Hey, I just want to let you know uh, the newsroom received a few emails to saying some nasty things, uh, inappropriate things about your look, your hijab. I wanted to let you know that I responded and I took care of it. And I let them know that we don't discriminate based on anything, whether it's race, gender, sex. Um, but if there's anything you would like me to add in the future, just let me know. And I said, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate you telling me. I appreciate you sticking up for me and you know responding in the way that you did. Um, and so I haven't seen those emails or those letters, but I knew they came in at first. Um, and, and
0: good for them that they had your back. Yeah. And and didn't subject you to reading them, but rather correct. said, we'll handle this. We don't allow this.
1: Exactly. And they they, it was sort of like we hired her. We knew what we were hiring. We knew her caliber of journalism. And that's what we hired her for. That, that's what it sounded like to me. That's what I felt like a, a valued journalist. Um, and so I appreciated that. And randomly, I still get emails. Um, I just got one a few weeks ago from a viewer who, not Muslim, but she said, you know, sometimes I turn on the TV and I still get surprised by seeing your hijab and you reporting. But then I remember, it's just like your beautiful smile. It's just a part of who you are. And I'm so glad you're here. And random notes like that are are incredible because especially when in the grind of the day, when you're in day in and day out, you're worried about your deadline. All you care about is the story. And then you realize that something as simple as your appearance means something to someone. Mm -hmm. And that is also part of who you are as someone who's representing, whether you like it or not, an entire community. And that's a really, it's an incredible responsibility, an added responsibility as being a journalist, journalist of color, Um, and I don't take it lightly, but it's pretty amazing.
0: It is pretty amazing. What kind of stories are your kind of stories? What's your beat or what's, what's your niche?
1: Right now, I am the business housing development growth reporter for KXAN. So never a shortage of that stuff to talk about. Um, Real estate market, um, gentrification, all stuff that I have been covering for the past year or so. I started out covering um, the county south. I was a bureau reporter for the county south of Austin. So that was where i started and now i'm central austin focused on business and growth
0: the idea of firsts in america are are begin to be problematic after a while like how many people are needed to be the first of anything but you were am i correct the first yeah to wear a job on the year
1: yes and it was um and that's also a difficult thing like you said, can be problematic. And that's something I thought of as well because there's difficulty in thinking or becoming the token, right? And Mm -hmm. especially as a journalist, it's hard when you become a story and you want people to focus on your work. Um, That's the bottom line, right? Is I want to be a journalist and it kind of stinks that, as a TV journalist, that I am the first person who looks like me to do this. Um, But I thought it was important to at least point that out because others who might be trying and who did end up reaching out to me during and after the process, um, it would give them hope. It would give them some kind of like light at the end of the tunnel saying, hey, this is possible, keep going. And, um, it's amazing to see that happen for a couple of other people after me
0: and so you have seen over these years the difference that you're making, haven't you?
1: Yes, and i I hope that it's a lot more than i than I can even see, but even the stories that I've heard or the messages I get on Instagram, uh, just seeking advice it's it's incredible just how much that's even increasing. Even the interest in journalism is a win for me because it's something that most people don't think of. It's kind of like, you know, when you... For me, it was out of the realm of possibility growing up of you just don't imagine anybody in that role.
0: You know, it may be that out on the street, somebody sees you and that hijab is an immediate identifier. And so... You already have uh, a corner on the market because they know you. You're not an anonymous reporter. And on that level, it may be accomplishing more than you even imagined. A thousand percent. And I think that's why it's important
1: for all newsrooms to represent their communities, because if you don't by no fault of, you know, the Anglo reporter, the white reporter, no fault of their own, but Communities of color have been impacted in ways that you might not think about by the media. It could be a certain word or phrase that we use to describe someone that you think is benign, but that really irritates a person of color. Um, I came across that myself as a TV producer. I remember looking at scripts that came in from other newsrooms or national and thinking, this doesn't sound right to me as a Muslim. to be describing somebody this way.
0: What was what was the description that you recall?
1: So it was a. It was during the Orlando nightclub shooting, mm-hmm. um, and when we were talking about the history of the shooter, the suspect at the time, uh, we were saying that he. It was either that he went to the mosque or he traveled overseas recently, and I was thinking, I'm like. Going to the mosque means nothing. I'm sorry, but I—if you go to church every day, that wouldn't make you um, a shooter any any more than going to the mosque would. And uh, in fact, there are so many research polls conducted that indicate that. American Muslims that go to the mosque more frequently are more engaged in their communities. They're more active voters. And so it was opposite of what I knew was backed by research, but we were feeding into this narrative, which is how I grew up. Right. (laughs) And saying that, Oh, if you go to a mosque you're a, you're a suspect of being a terrorist. Yeah. So, um, so I took that out of my script as a 10 o'clock producer. I said, no, we don't need to say that we can, we can, say everything else, that's fine. So that was one. And even just being proactive about the way Muslims are portrayed in the media. I mean, for example, I remember also my first job as a TV producer um, around the holiday of Eid. And there was a celebration, a celebratory picnic for women and children. And I put that into my show as a Vosot. And I remember going into the afternoon meeting and everyone was asking, what's EID? What is this? And I was like, oh my God, this is our Christmas. Like, <laughs> <is our> <laughs> you know, and it's it's incredible that you, you get that opportunity mm-hmm. to showcase your community in a way that people had not even thought of. And that's what, what representation means in a newsroom. Um, and so I do the same thing here in Austin. I just try to keep an ear to the ground. And I, I think that that's, No matter what the background or demographic is of your of your newsroom, like that's why you need
0: diversity. Amen. You're just fabulous. I am so glad you agreed to do this.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored that you thought of me, really.
0: Thank you for joining us. As our season comes to an end, we encourage you to reach out to us on Twitter at DePaulCJIE with any journalism ethics questions or topics that you'd like to see covered next season. So You Want to Be a Reporter is produced by Justin Myers with music by Max Duncan. Thank you for listening.